Welcome to the Word Podcast. The Lord God has given us His Word. Let us learn it. Let us live it. Let us rejoice in it. Spread the Word. Blessings, everybody. This is Dale. Thank you so much for joining with me today on the Word Podcast. We are continuing our examination through the book of Titus, okay? A little short book toward the end of the New Testament. You know, it's one of these books that quite often people are not even aware are in the Scripture. Even believers who have done their daily Bible readings and reading through the Bible in the year and that kind of stuff, sometimes I think it becomes um, sort of a mechanical ritual. And we'll read through entire portions of the Scripture and not really realize you know, what it is, what's going on with it. I've had that happen with people with uh, Jude, for instance, uh, they thought, was that even a book in the Bible? Because it's only 25 verses long. It's very short. So anyway, the Spirit is leading Paul to write to Titus. And we're in the first chapter, in the fifth verse. And the last time we were at, I mean, uh, first chapter, uh, fifth verse was where we were the last time. So let me back up and start there again because uh, it sets the context for what's to come. Paul says this, For this reason I left you in Crete, that you would set in order what remains and appoint elders in every city as I directed you. Namely, if any man is above reproach. So verse 6 here starts off given the, the character traits, uh, given an insight into what type of person uh, this elder would be, the one that would be appointed, one that would lead and give spiritual leadership and guidance to the body of Christ. He is a man above reproach, the husband of one wife. And we talked about that in the previous episode, that this man is highly regarded within the faith. Again, it doesn't mean that he's perfect in everything. It doesn't mean that he doesn't make mistakes, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You know, all those caveats that we feel like we have to sort of throw out there, right? Uh, he's not, but he's a man whose pattern and practice of behavior is that of godliness. He's above reproach. He's the husband of one wife. That literally means the idea that he's a one-woman man, okay? A one-woman man. It doesn't mean uh, that it has to be the type of thing that he's never experienced some of the ups and downs of life. Sometimes people think, well, if someone's divorced, then they're totally disqualified for this. No, that's not true. I mean, what do you do? You come back and say, well, you were divorced two or three times, and then you got saved. You called upon the name of the Lord, and you're saved, but you're still not qualified for this because you've been divorced. And what if you are truly saved and your spouse leaves you? And there are people who sit there and say, well, that just shows that you're not the type of person you should have been or they've never left. No, there's things that are sometimes outside of our control. What this is speaking of is that you are a one-woman man. He doesn't have a wandering eye. And uh, like I said in the last episode, there's many, many people who have one wife and have had one wife, and they're in leadership positions. But my, they wonder, okay? So these people need to be uh, men above reproach, the husband of one wife, having children who believed, okay? And so the ch their children need to be believers. And the idea behind this is that, they, um, that he's leading his family into the faith, okay? Other translations translate that as uh, faithful children. It doesn't mean the children are perfect, again, by any stretch of the imagination, okay? Or that there are not ups and downs again. But they're children who believe. And then not accused of dissipation or rebellion. That dissipation is uh, like riotous living, debauchery. In other words, this man is not going to be uh, accused of that in any way, <coughs> nor of rebellion. Verse 7 continues on. 
It says this, for, F-O-R. So it's sort of a connecting thing right here. For the overseer. Now, previously in verse 5, uh, Titus had been told to appoint elders. Now it's saying for the overseer. So I think that we're getting some insight into the functioning of the elders. Okay. The elders are to oversee. Now, uh, the King James calls that for a bishop. That's what the word means is overseer, a bishop. And that's where we actually get the title. It's like a superintendent, someone who's in charge over something. Okay. And so these elders are ones who are overseeing some things. For the overseer, verse 7, must be above reproach as God's steward. Okay? Must be blameless as God's steward. Well, what does it mean by God's steward? Well, it's literally the idea of managing. Okay? Quite often when we hear steward, particularly out of most of our background, we're thinking of stewardship, we're thinking of money. Well, that's fine. But it's really, he must be above reproach as God's manager how he's managing the things of the Lord, how he's managing the things that God's granted in his life, how he manages the things within the circle of influences, uh, circle of influence that the Lord gives him within the body of Christ. So he must be above reproach. And there's all sorts of uh, pictures related to that. You know, you can't be slothful. You can't be lazy. When you're managing, it has to be proactive. So listen to this list here that comes from this. For the overseer, must be above reproach as God's steward, not self-willed, not quick-tempered, not addicted to wine, not pugnacious, not fond of sordid gain, but hospitable, loving what is good, sensible, just, devout, self-controlled, holding fast the faithful word, which is in accordance with the teaching, so that he will be able to exhort in sound doctrine and to refute those who contradict. Now, again, as Paul often does, that's one sentence, verses 7, 8, and 9, that shows what the overseer must be, but then shows sort of what the purpose is and how he goes about that purpose. So let me deal with that first, and then we'll come back in the next episode and, and look a little closer at some of these uh, details. And as you know, if you've been with us uh, in the podcast here for any length of time, you see these types of lists in other writings too. Uh, in First and Second Timothy, Paul gives a list of things like this, of the characteristics of believers, of elders, of overseers, of deacons, uh, different roles and different functions within the body. But you notice what the last verse said, verse 9, holding fast the faithful word, which is in accordance with the teaching. In other words, they know the word of God. They know the message of God, and they hang on to that. Now, why is that? So that he will be able both to exhort in sound doctrine, that's just sound teaching, and to refute those who contradict. Let me tell you, folks, this is sadly lacking within the body of Christ today. Sadly, sadly, those that are in the position to do exactly this don't do it because of this right here. They don't hold fast the faithful word. They don't know the faithful word. And because of that, they're not able to exhort with sound teaching. They're not able to refute those that are contrary to the sound teaching of the Word of God. And so what they fall back on is 
denominational stances, or we've always done it this way or this way, or this is what I've always thought. And it's decades of this stuff, you know, the word that they don't hold fast to the Word of God. They don't search out the Word of God. They don't seek the Word of God. They don't learn it. They don't know it. And yet they're in positions of, of these elders and this type of thing, of elders, of overseers. They're in positions, and yet the body of Christ doesn't receive the exhortation of sound teaching. And that is one of the major reasons that the body of Christ is anemic today. Okay? Anemic. And and it just reaches all sorts of things. I, I saw an article yesterday of uh, a United Church up in Canada, uh, and they've got a pastor who's an atheist in their church, and they've agreed to allow that atheist pastor to stay there at the church because the congregation really likes her and really likes what she has to say on Sunday morning. But she flat out says, "No, I do not agree with the Word of God, and I do not n- believe that God exists." Well, you know, there you go, right? They don't hold fast to the Word of God, and they don't believe. Now, in that case, it's very simple. She just needs to be brought in right relationship with the Lord. She needs to be saved. Okay? But these elders, these overseers, must know the Word of God, must hold fast to it. I'll tell you what, we'll talk some more about this in the next episode, okay? Again, I'm Dale. Thank you so much for your time, and I'll see you then.